Thanks, Winston. And uh, it's really great to be here at, uh, at IFRI's, IFRI's offices and the, for the opening of the, the EMI collaboration and office here in Washington around many friends. Uh, I want to pick up on some of the themes that Claudia has already raised and that Robert just uh, spoke about. But first, for those of you that don't know World Resources Institute, we are a um, global research institution that works at the intersection of development and the environment. We work across uh, seven thematic areas, food, forest, fresh water, oceans, sustainable cities, climate, and energy. So just a few areas. Uh, I lead the global water program for WRI. So to the question that, that Winston sort of posed about what are some of the critical unanswered issues or questions that we're dealing with. I mean, we know that water is a uh, reaching crisis proportions, uh, management of fresh water in many parts of the world. And unfortunately, we expect that trajectory to continue if we continue uh, with business as usual. And I guess, how is it that we find ourselves in that situation and what can we do about it? And we sort of think about three different areas for how to address that, that sort of relate to the unanswered questions. The first is there's so much that we don't know about water. As important as it is, as valuable as it is, as everyone has been saying, we simply don't know how much we have in many instances. We don't know how much is being demanded, how much is being consumed, and that's very local. Obviously, uh, water is impinged upon by global forces, climate change, global trade flows, etc. But it's also experienced very, very locally. So that's inherently a challenge, and there's just so much information that we don't have about it. What is the state of water resources at the catchment, at the aquifer level? Uh, what's the state of water quality in many places? And these, I think, are challenges that we must step up to. There's the promise of big data and things that we can do differently, but it's very, very complex. And there are many initiatives, the Water Accounting Initiative that EMI is a part of. Uh, WRI has a um, global water risk mapping and planning tool called Aqueduct, which is in widespread use in the private sector and is being used now more and more by actors in the uh, public sector and uh, civil society organizations. But it is constrained by how good the data is still. And I would take the example of something that WRI has worked on called uh, Global Forest Watch uh, with many other partners, which allows us on a near real-time basis to see exactly where deforestation is happening globally. It has been a game changer, for example, for companies uh, expressing uh, a willingness to uh, take out of their supply chains um, palm oil that's, that's not sustainably produced. They were reluctant to do so until there was a good monitoring and evaluation system. Governments are now using information from Global Forest Watch uh, with respect to forest fires uh, and downwind pollution to actually uh, undertake legal action against each other. So I, I just raise that as an example. If we could get to the point in water, if we could have that good uh, of an accounting mechanism to really be able to provide a clearer picture of what's happening, and to promote uh, transparency, that would be extremely important. What we also don't know is how climate shift, change is going to shift extremes, and demand for that matter. We need a better mechanism for making scenarios, uh, for planning scenarios of how those changes may uh, come to pass. 
And then how do we better translate those biophysical aspects of water into the social and economic terms that actually drive decisions in many places that are critical? And, and Claudia sort of raised this. So that first point, what we don't know, is really very significant. The reality is that we have enough information in a lot of places to take low regrets actions, but we're not, getting, we're not doing that, and we'll come back to that. The second key point, I think, is what is it going to take to build resilience? What are some of those low regrets strategies? What are the physical infrastructure approaches that we're going to be needing to think differently about? Certainly managing water in a more circular fashion, in a more closed loop fashion, which we do not do now. We, we have a, you know, an approach of take, make, and, and waste and, and dispose. Uh, we need a much more circular approach to that. We're also going to have to face the fact, though, that we're going to need more storage in many places. And there are real challenges associated with that, uh, with impacts to ecosystems, to water resource uh, systems themselves. How can we get smarter about what kinds of conjunctive storage approaches we're using that are not just dams or large dams, with all the attendant uh, challenges there? How can we take better advantage of flood water when it comes? EMI's done some very interesting research on this that can actually help us to understand how that's a resource. It's not only a risk but how can we take better advantage of water that's coming in large flows uh, and do groundwater storage, et cetera. We need more redundant supply systems in many places. We need to be able to provide multi-layered approaches to providing water supply for cities, for other uses, and we're often not thinking about those. And then we have to manage the natural ecosystems that really are the support base for all of our water infrastructure. The most obvious of these are forested or naturally vegetated watersheds. Uh, there's a lot of work that's being done around restoration in the world. Um, we can think of some of the kind of classic cases like uh, Tigre in the north in Ethiopia, which has made an extraordinary uh, impact on groundwater levels, actually, and water availability just through restoration of uh, natural lands and afforestation. And there's a lot of work that's now happening across Africa that EMI and others are part of, WRI, that really has a lot of promise. But we need to understand those interactions much more effectively than we do now. There's a lot of science there that we still need. That's just on the physical infrastructure side and building resilience. The second is on the social in, uh, resilience side. Uh, insurance schemes like EMI and others are working on, uh, understanding how we really protect the most vulnerable, what makes the most sense at a, at a village and local community level, what are those social and community-based resilience strategies that work today that we need to understand and scale up more effectively. The third area is how do we build the political will for taking action? We all know that water is a challenge. We all know that we're not managing it sustainably. How do we start to set sustainable yields and manage to those and have transparency and accountability mechanisms for governments and other actors that don't take those kinds of actions? What's the role of the private sector in here? It can be a, a force for not you know, positive outcomes, and it can also be a force for good. Many companies are very interested in engaging in watershed stewardship collectively. They realize they cannot manage their own risk if government is also not part of the, the answer in stepping up. The fourth eye that Claudia mentioned, incentives uh, and financing are critically important. What do we continue to fund? Are we funding maladaptive infrastructure approaches that are that are you know, very carbon intensive. And when it comes to water, we're seeing far too much of that by international financial institutions. But also, how can we take the capital that's out there that's really interested in being invested in, for example, green bonds? We just helped to establish new standards for green bonds 
for natural infrastructure investments, along with many other partners. That can actually be a real force for good. And I think the last question, which I'm just going to pose, which we all feel, I don't have the answer for it, is are we going to be able to take action quickly enough on each of those areas, what we don't know, how to build resilience, and how to really start to move the needle on political will to get out ahead of real conflict and challenges in the future? Thanks.